I'm going to persevere. I'm going to get spiritual grit. I'm going to ask for help from the Holy Spirit to get through these tough times for, to help me to not give up. Thanks for listening to the Seeds Church Podcast. If you're in Middle Tennessee, we'd love to have you join us in person for one of our services. Check out SeedsChurchTN.com for times and locations. Now, here's our lead pastor, J.D. Swilly. Good morning, church. Or I'll just say it this way. Good morning, church family. Because that's what we are, amen? I also want to just say, you know, a quick note on Memorial Day. So hopefully we live as Christians with the perspective that we are citizens of the kingdom of heaven before we're citizens of this nation, right? Amen, first and foremost. So why is it appropriate for the church to recognize our fallen heroes and even our veterans and those who are serving today? It's appropriate because of a couple things, you know, um, the, much of this nation is founded on Christian principle. We had godly leaders. Some of them maybe, maybe weren't full-on uh, believers or godly, but they had their heads screwed on straight in some way. And we believe the Holy Spirit was working through them, even if they didn't know it. And we are thankful for our men and women who have served because not only have they guarded and protected and fought for our political freedoms, but also our freedom to worship. We are so incredibly blessed as a nation to be able to gather like this uh, at any time that we want to. And not just on Sunday morning, but any time of the day, any time of the night, any place that we want to, and lift up the name of Jesus. And I don't take that for granted, and I'm very thankful for those who sacrificed their lives to protect that freedom that I have. Amen? So, praise God for that. Last week, uh, in our prayer moment, we uh, specifically prayed for... Uh, the babies that the Zach and Ashley Dillon's babies, that's Pastor Lee's daughter and son-in-law, Pastor Lee, who leads our Radiant Network that we're part of. And um, the babies were delivered this week, just a few days ago. They were just a day shy of 25 weeks old. And, um, and they're doing okay. Uh, yesterday, there was a little bit of issue with one of the little girls. Her name's Reese. The, the twins are named Celia and Reese. And um, so, you know, delivering at 25 weeks, you know, they're premature. They're in the, the NICU unit. I guess that's a little redundant, isn't it? NICU unit. The U stands for unit, right? Um, <laughs> they're in the NICU and, uh, and so they're going to have to stay there and be there for a while, but we need to continue to pray for their development, uh, for just the progress in their health. So would you guys just pray with me right now? Heavenly Father, we just thank you that you have watched over these little girls while they were in the womb, and now that they are delivered and, and um, they're in the NICU, God, we pray that you would continue to watch over them and develop their bodies as, as they have come early into this world. 
And so, Lord, I thank you for the doctors and the nurses and the technology and the medicine that's all available to minister to them. But we pray for supernatural ministry to happen, supernatural protection over their bodies, supernatural uh, uh, development over their lungs and over their brains and over their hearts, God. God, that, that in years from now, we can look back at this moment and go, look what the Lord has done. Look at these healthy little girls. Lord, I, I pray that our faith in this moment would be strong, it would be confident, and God, I pray for the faith of Zach and Ashley Dillon, the parents, for uh, the rest of the family, and for the entire Radiant Church there in Michigan. God, that they would continue to stay strong in their faith. And Lord, I help them even just be encouraged to know that there's other churches around the nation. Other, there, are other, there are expanded church family that is around the nation and around the globe that are standing with them. And God, we thank you that you hear our prayers in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, stand with me again as we're going to read God's word together. And um, today's reading comes from the book of Galatians. Chapter 6, we're going to read six verses. We're going to read verses 4 through 9. Uh, let's read out loud together. Pay careful attention to your own work, for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done, and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else, for we are each responsible for our own conduct. Those who are taught the word of God should provide for their teachers, sharing all good things with them. Don't be misled you cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. As you're seated, look at the person next to you and tell them the buck stops here. For the past couple of weeks, we have been on this topic, on this subject of finishing well. And there's a lot of people in the church right now who seem to be giving up the fight. They seem to be quitting the race and losing the faith. And I pray that in 20 years from now, in 30, 40 years from now, I can look back on my life and say, like Paul said, like he wrote to Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 4, he says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. I pray that for me and my family. I pray that for you in your family, I pray that for this church and all of the churches in Middle Tennessee and around the globe, that we would say that we have finished well. Today, I wanna talk about a principle that we find in Paul's letter to the Galatians that I believe is gonna help us if we um, 
if we embrace this principle and we put it to action in our life, it's gonna help us not to fade, it's gonna help us to not fail, but it's gonna help us to finish well. And that principle is what I call personal responsibility. Uh, let me just give you just a little bit of an overview of the book of Galatians, of, of Paul's letter to the church in Galatia, just so you can kind of have an idea here and we, we don't read things out of context. Uh, Christianity began as a Jewish messianic movement, but the gospel was never meant to just be for the Jewish people, right? It's for all of humanity. And so the gospel quickly spread outside of the borders of Israel. And by the time that Paul had been called by Jesus to become a missionary and travel and plant churches and preach and teach, by that time, there was just as many Gentile believers as there were Jewish believers. And this caused a pretty big debate uh, which you can read about more in Acts chapter 16, but we're gonna touch on it really lightly today. But historically, if, if you know, Jews were the covenant people of God and Jews only, right? They were set apart by the Torah, by, by, the, by the practices that were found in the Torah. And so things like circumcision of males, things like eating kosher, observing, uh, observing the Sabbath, and so on and so forth. And because of that, many of the Jewish Christians believed that in order for Gentiles to become part of God's family, they needed to obey and observe and practice these, these things that are found in the Torah as well, right? I mean, it makes sense. And there, does that not make sense in some way? But so, so some of these Jewish Christians, they ended up leaving Israel and going to Galatia and to that area where those churches were, and they began preaching this kind of like, you need to follow the Torah. You need to observe the laws. And they started uh, demanding this of these Gentile believers and, and, and saying, you, you guys need to get circumcised. <laughs> and many of them were getting circumcised. But when Paul found out about it, he was pretty upset. And he wrote this letter to the church to remind them of the gospel, the good news about Jesus. He explains that it's the gospel that transforms people by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, not the observance of the Torah. Paul's opponents would have argued, again, that, well, the laws in the Torah, they're, they're a proven guide to living according to God's will. So if the Gentiles don't observe the Torah, how can they be adopted into God's family? How can they know how to live according to God's will? How can they be transformed from the old life to the new life? How can they finish well? And Paul said, hey, the laws of the Torah, they're good and they're wise, but, but the law, as good as it is, they don't give anybody the ability to actually obey them. The gospel is that Jesus fulfilled all of the laws on our behalf. And now he lives in us through the Holy Spirit, transforming us from, from our old sinful lives into a new and redeemed people. Praise God. Paul goes on to contrast the old us and the new us. The old us knows how to dehumanize one another. 
Like, no one has to teach us that. It's just inborn in sin nature. The old us knows how to destroy relationships. The old us knows how to wreak havoc in our families and on entire communities. The old us instinctively knows already how to fade and how to fail. And while the laws of the Torah prohibit all of those ways that lead toward fading and toward failure, Jesus actually put those ways to death on the cross. Let me read to you this part of Paul's letter in Galatians chapter five. And this is in verse 19. This is what it says. He says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. You're like, my gosh, that has a wide range of things going on there. I can't believe that like, you know, uh, you know, sorcery is mixed in there just with division. You mean to say that like that's, that's part of the same camp? Yeah, it's all part of the same camp. It's all part of the same big ball of mess. And then Paul says, let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. So what he's just basically explained here, this laundry list of things here, is, is fruit. It's the fruit of the flesh. But then he goes on to say this in verse 22. He says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these things. So those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. And I love that last part, those last couple of verses, because it's the perfect picture of what we're going to see later at the end of this service when we go outside and we celebrate these baptisms with, with uh, the folks that are getting baptized. The, 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 the whole, the whole uh, ceremony of baptism is about nailing our passions and desires of our sinful nature to the cross and it being crucified there with Jesus and we die to that old self and we are buried with Christ. But then we're resurrected with Christ into new life. I mean, our baptism t-shirts say it right there, raised to new life. It's not just a catchy phrase or slogan. It's a, it's, it's a spiritual truth. That Jesus, it's something that Jesus accomplished for us. We don't have to live by the law of the Torah. Jesus accomplished that. He fulfilled that for us. But we do now have our old self, it's put to death, and now we have new life in Christ. And now we're living by the Holy Spirit and being follow, following the Holy Spirit in his leading in every part of our lives. And when a person trusts in Jesus, they're... they're and they live their life in independence, not independent, but in dependence on the Spirit. Jesus' life becomes their life. And it produces what Paul called the fruit of the Spirit. 
This is Jesus's way of life that he wants to see produced and manifested in his spiritual family so that we become the people of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And Paul says that in order for us to produce that fruit, it takes cultivation, just like real fruit, right? If you leave service today and you drive to the nursery or you drive to Lowe's or you drive to Home Depot and you buy a fruit tree and you go and bring it home, you're like, we're gonna plant this fruit tree. You can do one of two things. You can just plant it anywhere old place in your yard or on your property and just hope for the best. Or you can intentionally go, where's the best place for this fruit tree where it's gonna thrive? Where's the best soil? Where's the best place where it's gonna get the right amount of sun, where it's gonna get the right amount of water? Oh, I don't have the right, the right soil? That's all right, we're gonna, we're gonna get some soil. We're gonna, we're gonna cultivate this soil. We're gonna give nutrients to this soil. You know what, we, we need some good topsoil? I'll, I'll get some of that. I'll get some miracle grow or whatever it is that I need. I'll make sure that it's in the right amount of light. I'll make sure that I get that garden hose out there and make sure that it gets watered. What are we doing? We're cultivating and nurturing that tree so that what? It will produce the fruit that it was always intended for it to bear. Or you can just go out anywhere and go, mm, I think right there is good. We're gonna plant it right there. And who's to say? Who's to say that that tree is gonna bear and produce good fruit just by random chance? I, I wouldn't bet on it. You've gotta be intentional about the cultivation. I mean, let me ask you this. How many of you, the moment that you decided to follow Jesus, you automatically, like, Jesus, I give my life to you. I'm gonna follow you. I'll be, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, give everything that I am and everything that I have to following you and becoming a disciple of you. And then in that moment, after you made that declaration to the Lord, you immediately became a master of love and a master of joy and peace and patience and goodness and kindness and gentleness and self-control. No, none of us, none of us can qualify and say that, oh yeah, that's exactly the way it worked in my life. If that's what you say, then we're gonna pray for you later that you will get lying out of your life, in Jesus' name. Paul said that if we're gonna live by the Spirit, then we've got to keep in step with the Spirit. And this requires intentionality. It's our part of the sanctification process. What is sanctification? It's the Holy Spirit working in us, molding us into the image and likeness of Christ. And we have a part to play in that process. We have personal responsibility to say, yeah, we're, I'm gonna be shaped by the word. I'm gonna be led by the spirit. And the Holy Spirit is gonna lead me to prune off some of these old thoughts, some of these old ways of thinking, some of these places in my heart that, that are, are old and nasty and crusty and damaged and some of these old habits. And now, Holy Spirit, lead me to think what you think. Lead me to feel what you feel. Lead me to do the things that you do. And it's in that process that we find the Holy Spirit reshaping our hearts and minds in the image of Christ. We're being made fit 
not to fade, not to fail, but to finish well. So in short, that's the summary of Paul's letter to the Galatians. Now specifically, I wanna look at this, this principle of personal responsibility that we see here in chapter six. And I'm gonna read this to you again. Galatians chapter six, verse four. Pay careful attention to everybody else's business. No, to your own work. Then you'll get the satisfaction of a job well done and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. For we are each responsible for our own conduct. Those who are taught the word of God should provide for their teachers, sharing all good things with them. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Now, I really like the way that the King James Version puts it because it's the way I learned it when I was a child, right? And it says, uh, Don't, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. And so what is it when it says you cannot mock the justice of God? What, what does that mean exactly? It means that God set in motion a law, a principle from the beginning of the universe. It's called seed, time, and harvest. Another way of putting it is called sowing and reaping. What you sow is what you will reap. If I plant apple seeds, I will get an apple tree which will produce, right, and another way that Isaac Newton put it was for every action, there's an opposite and equal reaction, right? You, you sow to something, you're going to reap from, that, from what that seed is that you sowed. And then he goes on to say this. So, so, so when he says you can't mock the justice of God, he's saying that principle is at play in the universe and you can't do anything to, to derail that. It's just how the world works. It's the way that God set it up. So don't think that you can go out and sow seeds of dandelions and then get apples. So, so verse eight, he says, those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. Why? Because they sowed to their sinful nature, so they're gonna reap the things that produced from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. Why is that? Because they sowed unto the Spirit, so they're gonna reap from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing, no matter what. No, that's not what it says. It says, if we don't give up. God has a plan for your life, and his plan includes you finishing well. It includes you finishing well. His plan for your life includes you reaping a harvest of blessing. But it's not just contingent upon what God wants. We have to be complicit in his plan. God's the architect, and we're the workers. In these six verses, Paul uses this language of, of personal responsibility, that's, that's the vocabulary, that's the language that he's using there, and he charges us with these six things. The first thing is this, pay careful attention to your own work, right? Like, do your best, stay in your lane, don't be a busybody, get in other people's business. 
And he says, stop playing the comparison game. Why is that? Because a comparison is a sin that leads us to either one of two places. It leads us to pride, because if you get on the internet and you go to that website, peopleofwalmart.com, you can, you can scroll through there and start feeling really good about yourself and start feeling really prideful. But then you go and you grab Forbes magazine and you start reading a few articles and then all of a sudden you feel depressed about your life, right? Stop playing the comparison game. That's not doing you any good. And then he says, be responsible for your own conduct. Like, listen, you are the one responsible for what you do. You ever heard this one? The devil made me do it. No, I'm sorry, honey. The devil didn't make you do anything. He may have encouraged you. He may have, you know, set some things up for you to make it really easy. But he didn't make you do anything. And not only did he not make you do anything, no one else did either. You're responsible for your own conduct. And then the fourth thing is trust God. Well, Hang on, J.D., I didn't see that anywhere in that passage. Where did it say to trust God? Here's where I'm getting this, this principle of trusting God, where, where Paul is saying, don't mock the justice of God. Paul said, hey, this is the, a principle, that, a law that God set into motion. You can't do anything to change it. You can try all you want, but it's there, and nobody can, can change it or shift it or knock it off of its axis. It's there, so trust it. Trust God that the, the principle that he put in place will work out. And then he says, sow the right seeds. Well, how do we sow the right seeds? First of all, it's an issue in our hearts and minds. It's a belief issue. Then it's a words issue. We're gonna sow the right seeds with our belief, with our words, and now we're gonna sow the right seeds with our actions. And then Paul says, don't give up. We need, especially in our culture today, I feel, I feel like there are very few places in our culture today where we see actual perseverance. We see actual endurance, grit. Like, don't be weak. But I thought God was made stronger in my weakness. That's not what I'm talking about. Sometimes, we are just weak because of laziness. Like, determine in your heart. No, this is who I'm gonna be. I'm gonna endure, I'm gonna persevere, I'm gonna get spiritual grit. I'm gonna ask for help from the Holy Spirit to get through these tough times for, to help me to not give up. Because you don't get to reap a harvest of blessing if you quit. Listen. All six of these things, they're the language, they're the vocabulary of personal responsibility. Personal responsibility is required to finish well. God does his part. He, he does his part, and then what he does is he invites you to partner with him in his work of sanctification in your life, but also partner in his work of bringing the culture of the kingdom from heaven to earth. Some people think that we're all just marionette puppets and God is in heaven and he's just pulling the strings and making us do all this, that, and the other. But the truth is that in his sovereignty, God created us 
with free will. God created us with free will, so that means that although God does have a course mapped out for us, he has a course mapped out for us to run and to finish. There's a finish line that he has for us. But it's our choice. Are we gonna run that course? And are we gonna finish that course? Your future is what you decide it will be. Now listen, I don't get me wrong when I say your future is what you decide it will be. I'm not talking about the law of attraction. I'm not saying that the complete order of the universe, including everything that comes into your life and everything that you experience comes through the magnetic power of your thoughts, okay? That's new agey. It's rooted in Christian science, which has nothing to do with Christ. <laughs> but unfortunately, a lot of believers uh, dabble in that. And the reason why is because it sounds really great and they steal some biblical principles in that whole law of attraction bit. But that's not what we're talking about. Listen, I'll say this. Your thought life is certainly important. Absolutely it's important. But I don't even wanna think my own thoughts. I want the mind of Christ. I wanna think what he thinks, amen? <laughs> Thank you for the two people that got excited about that. <laughs> when I say that your future will be what you decide it to be, what I'm saying is this, is that you have personal responsibility to either come into alignment with God's plan for your life or you and Fleetwood Mac can go your own way. <laughs> you and Sinatra, you can sing, I did it my way. I hate hearing that song at funerals. It breaks my heart that people would be so proud at the end of their life to say, well, I did it my way. I've never been to a funeral of an old person that had that song played at their funeral. I've only ever been to funerals of people who died prematurely have had that song played at their funeral. Why? They didn't finish well, and I guess they were proud of it. I wanna say, I did it God's way. I finished well because I, I chose to come into alignment with God's purpose and plan for my life. Was it tough? Yeah. Were there hard things? Yeah. Were there difficult circumstances? Yeah. Did I make mistakes? Yeah. But I kept saying, God, I choose your plan. I choose your purpose. I'm gonna not give up the fight. I'm not gonna quit the race. I'm gonna keep the faith and I'm gonna finish well. Now listen, of course, on this journey, on this path, this race, this course that God has mapped for us, he will nudge you. He'll direct you. He'll guide you. He'll lead you. Sometimes he'll do things to cause you to be uncomfortable. But he will not make you do anything. You can choose. You can choose your way or you can choose God's way. We all have heard this. You can lead a horse to the water, but you can't make it drink, right? Just to be clear, you and I are the horse. <laughs> Sometimes I think we're the horse's rear end. 
I'm talking about me, y'all, not, not y'all. And we have the choice, are we going to say yes to God's purpose and plan? This is the believer's personal responsibility. It doesn't just happen because God wants it to happen. He gives us the choice to say yes, yes to your plan, yes to your purpose. I'm telling you, I have been through times in my life where I had a word from God. I believed that I knew how this certain scenario was gonna go. But it wasn't solely dependent upon me saying yes. It was also dependent on other people saying yes, and they missed the boat. And fortunately, when God's plan A doesn't work out, he makes a new plan A. Now, we can get into a debate on whether or not, you know, you're like, well, that was God's plan all along. Maybe it was. But I believe in order for God's will to be accomplished on the earth, that he invites us to partner with his work to say yes to it. Why? Because we have free will. The whole idea of personal responsibility, it is not fun. (laughs) It is not popular, especially in today's culture. In today's climate, if anything is good going on in our lives, we are really quick to take sole responsibility for that. Like, man, look at that. Wasn't that great? Yeah, that was me. I did that. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that great? Aren't I awesome? What is that? His pride. But if anything goes bad in our lives, we're really quick to look around and find someone or something else to blame. Oh, that wasn't my fault. That was because of this situation, or this is because of what this person did. Or we even can blame God. What is that? Sometimes that's also pride. There's some other motivations of the heart sometimes to look around for someone or something to blame. But oftentimes it's pride. You say, well, J.D., you you, you say that my future is what I decide it to be, but my present circumstance is certainly not of my own making. I mean, I've worked for years and now I'm, I've ended up in this dead-end job and, and, I, and it, with no money or no prospects and this is going wrong in my life and that's going wrong with my life and this is, my, my marriage is in shambles and, and, and I've, this is what's going on with my kids and so on and so forth. And I know it might feel that way, that it's not by your own making, but many of the situations that we find ourselves in, we got there by our own choosing. And there are also things that happen that are outside of our control. Both things exist. But regardless of whether you are where you are today, only because of the choices that you've made, or you are where you are today in your present circumstance because of some outside, you know, thing that happened that was completely and totally out of your control, because I know about those things. I didn't ask for a school bus to pull right out in front of me and me to smash into the side of it a few months ago. I didn't want that. Things do happen that are outside of our control, but regardless of that, our coming into agreement with God's plan for our lives puts us on the pathway to finish well. Regardless. Our refusal to come into agreement with God's plan for our lives puts us on the pathway to fade or fail. 
You have personal responsibility. What are you gonna choose? No one's gonna make you choose one way or the other. And no one is gonna derail you from choosing one or the other. The choice is solely yours. Here's a truth bomb. Outside influences are not responsible for where you are today, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, so on and so forth, etc. Now, when you were a child, no one, I mean, you, you had zero control over much of what happened in your life, right? I mean, you had control over some things, but as a child, a lot of things are just happening to you and you had no control over your life. But let me ask you this question. Are you still a child? Are you a child anymore? No, you're not. But J.D., I didn't do anything to deserve what happened to me in the past. I didn't do anything to warrant my present circumstance. Well, sometimes that's true. You may not have had control over what has happened to you, but what you do have control over is how you are now going to respond as a follower of Jesus. I had no control over that bus pulling out in front of me. But what I do have control over now is how I'm going to recover. And it may take a lot longer than I want it to take. I might have to do things that, that are, you know, just like, man, I feel like I've just been doing this a long time. I might have to sacrifice my time and my money and my energy. But it's my choice. Just using that as an example. You have a choice of how you're going to respond as a follower of Jesus. We've all had bad things that have happened to us that have been outside of our control, and those things have brought us pain on a spectrum of intensity. But if all you ever do is just look for someone to blame or look for something else to blame, then you're not going to finish well, I promise you. If all you're looking is for, I gotta find out whose fault it is besides mine, or I gotta find out what circumstance, if I can just pin, oh, well, it's, it was because of this right here, and that's who, if that's your attitude, and that's the way you're gonna live your life, that is not a pathway to finish well. You're gonna either up, you're, you're gonna end up either fading or failing. We would do ourselves a great service if we would remove from our vocabulary the words, it's not my fault. The words have been symbolically written on the gravestones of those who have either faded or failed ever since the beginning of time when Eve first ate that forbidden fruit. What, what, did, uh, what did she say? Ah, oh, it's not my fault. It's the serpent. What did Adam say? It's not my fault. She gave it to me. Nobody made them do that. Some of us find ourselves in situations that are absolutely 100% totally our fault, but for a variety of reasons, sometimes it's just pride and ego, but sometimes there's other motivations as well. We look for someone or something else to blame, but whether or not everything in your life is a result of outside circumstances, looking for someone or something else to blame is not gonna help you take the next step in God's plan for your life towards finishing well. It's just not. The bad news is that you have pain. 
whether that was the result of your own choices or that was the result of outside circumstances. You have pain, you've experienced suffering, but the good news is that God still has a plan for your life and he is inviting you to stop using your pain as an excuse and he's inviting you to participate with him towards overcoming and finishing well. So if you're gonna come into agreement with God's plan for your life, to not fade, to not fail, but to finish well, then make the decision of this right here. The buck stops here. The buck stops here. From this moment forward, I will accept personal responsibility. By accepting responsibility, I'll pay careful attention to my work. Just like Paul wrote to the Galatians. I'll stop playing the comparison game. I'll be responsible for my own conduct. I'll trust God. I'll sow the right seeds with my belief and my words and my actions, and I'll refuse to give up. I will not blame my parents or my spouse or my boss or my coworkers or whomever else in my life for my present situation. My education or my lack of education, my genetics or the uncontrollable circumstances of my life or even the attack of the enemy himself, none of these will control whether or not I finish well. I will look forward. I will not let my history determine God's destiny for my life. The buck stops here. Today, I will be in the process of changing where I am mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally, financially, etc., by being shaped by the word and being led by the spirit. I'll not dwell on the problems of the past. My mind will dwell on God's plan for my future finish line. I will align myself relationally who are all, with people who are also taking responsibility to say that they are going to finish well. And when faced with the opportunity to make a decision, I will make one. I'm not always going to make the right decision, but God did give me the ability to make any wrong decision that I've made to make it right. The rise and the fall of my emotional tide will not deter me from my course. In the future, when I'm tempted to ask the question, why me? I will immediately counter back with, why not me? Challenges are gifts, opportunities to learn. I realize that problems are the common thread running through the lives of great men and women who have finished well. In times of adversity, I will not just have a problem to deal with, I will have a choice to make. Why me? No, why not me? Lord, thank you for preparing me for something great. Won't you stand with me? Say, the buck stops here. Listen, we have this personal responsibility to say yes to God's plan for your life. Don't just let your life go by and let the circumstances of life just push you around like you're just a, a, just a boat out in the middle of the lake with no oar and no sail. Well, I'll just have to go wherever the wind carries me or wherever the current is carrying me. No, you have personal responsibility. And I'm not saying... Well, we need to be self-made men and women. No, I'm saying is we need to partner with God's plan to be shaped by the word and to be led by the spirit in order to finish well. Once you close your eyes and we're gonna just pray this together, just ask you to just come into agreement with me as I pray this. Jesus, thank you 
that you have made it so that I'm no longer a slave to fear. I'm no longer a slave to sin or worry or stress, anxiety, depression, inaction, addiction, or any other unholy thing, God. God, I thank you that you have made me to be a child through your son, Jesus Christ. So help me see what you see. Help me hear what you hear. Help me think what you think and help me speak what you speak, God. In Jesus' name, I will take personal responsibility like God's word commands me to do. The buck stops here in the name of Jesus. And everybody said amen. 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 You have the choice. The buck stops here. Are you going to take personal responsibility and say yes to God's plan for your life? Don't let the enemy control you. Don't let your emotions control you. Don't let other people control you. Be controlled by the Holy Spirit. The same Spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead lives in you. I'll say this, that's if you're a believer in Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus. If you're not, then God help you. If you're not, make the decision, I'm gonna follow Jesus. I'm gonna give my life to Jesus. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be a disciple. What, is it, what does it mean to be a disciple? It means that you learn the way of your master and then you follow the way of your master. I'm gonna learn the way of Jesus. I'm gonna follow the way of Jesus. I'm not gonna live for myself any longer. I'm gonna live for him. I was supposed to dismiss all the people getting baptized a few minutes ago, but I forgot to do that, so I take personal responsibility. Um, we're going to do two things here. The, the service is not over. We're sitting at 1118. We've got a few more minutes together, and what we're going to do in these last few minutes is we're going to celebrate with those who are entering to the waters of baptism so if you are being baptized today, we're gonna invite you to go ahead and dismiss yourself. Uh, if you need to change clothes or if you're good to go already, awesome. But if you need to change clothes, go ahead and dismiss yourself to get changed. And then uh, and, and go ahead as soon as you can, after you're ready, meet us out here on the patio. I'm gonna ask the prayer team to go ahead and come forward right here and stand along the front. And if you need prayer for anything in your life today, if you're sitting here today, if you're standing here now and going, man, I, something is stirring in me about this idea of the buck stops here, and I, I need to change. There's something, some things that I need to do uh, to, to, to make a decision. To, I, need, I wanna pray to the Lord and just make a declaration that, that I'm going to come into agreement with his purpose and plan for my life. Come down and pray with one of my friends in the prayer team. If you need healing in your body, if you need to be free from an addiction, if you need help in any single way, don't miss this opportunity to call on the help of God. He is a good father. He is a faithful friend. He is the good shepherd. We see a lot of turmoil in the world today, a lot going on in the world today that is trying to tell us that God is not in control, trying to tell us that he's peaced out and he's, you know, he's in his man cave watching the game. But I'm telling you, he sees what's going on. Things are important to him. And he's calling you and I to partner with him in the work to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. We can't just stand by and let wickedness and, and evil have their way. We have a part to play. The church has a part to play. 
when tragedy strikes, we can't just go, well, that's, that's terrible, that's awful. And if it strikes really close to home, who knows what, what range of emotions we might be going through. We might be mad or angry at God. You know what? He can handle it. He can deal with it. But listen, make the decision you're gonna keep counting him faithful. Make the decision that he's a good father. Make the decision in your heart that he's a good father who knows how to give good gifts to his children. And if something was taken from you that was caused pain, that was the enemy. That was not God. He, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus came that he gives life and give it to us abundantly. So today, as we're faced with all this in our world and in our community, with wickedness, evil, and tragedy, partner with the Holy Spirit to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. And it starts in your own heart, and it starts in your own home. I'm, I'm not, I wasn't trying, trying to kill time for the baptism people to get changed, but do this for us. I'm gonna pray. We're gonna dismiss from here. If you need prayer, come forward. If you wanna make the decision today to be a follower of Jesus, come down. We're gonna pray with you and celebrate with you. And actually, we've got a gift, a book for you that's, that's called What's Next? And it's gonna help you with like, hey, these are the next steps that I need to take as a follower of Jesus. I need to be part of a church. I need to be part of a life-giving, God-exalting, Bible-believing, Jesus-centered church because none of us are called to do this on our own. So come down for whatever reason you need prayer. Come down and receive prayer. The rest of us, I'm gonna ask you to just politely and respectfully, let's go ahead and be dismissed to the patio. If you have children that you need to pick up from Seeds Kids, go ahead and do that. And then meet us on the patio as we're gonna celebrate with those being baptized. What I'm gonna ask you not to do is use this as an opportunity to, to leave and get an early seat at Cheddar's, okay? So <laughs> this is part of our worship, okay? This is part of the celebration. So, uh, Lord, I thank you for your people today. I thank you for the ones who are responding. Yes, I'm gonna take responsibility. I'm gonna say yes to God's purpose and plan for my life. I'm gonna say yes to the future finish line that God has in store for me. I'm gonna say yes to the course that he's mapped out for me. God, I pray that tomorrow or the next day or the next day when they are met with adversity, that they have already determined in their heart that they are going to finish well, that they're, gonna sh they're, gonna, they're not gonna give up. They're gonna demonstrate uh, perseverance and they're gonna demonstrate endurance and grit and all of these things that Paul instructs us to do. And God, I thank you that you are the center of it all, Jesus. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, you've empowered us to become like Jesus and do the works of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. Stay connected with us at SeedsChurchTN.com and on social media. Our mission at Seeds Church is to help people discover who God created them to be and equip them to do what he called them to do. One of the easiest ways you can help us accomplish our mission is by simply sharing this podcast. You can do so by subscribing, leaving a review on iTunes, or sharing it with your friends on Facebook. Thanks again for listening. We hope to see you soon.